This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Stuart Wright, and I'm your host, and today we've got two people, one coming from the north of England, quite literally, and one, I think, just across London from me, although the voice is definitely from the north of England, just like mine. So I've got Cos Green up. Hello, Cos. Hi, mate. How's it going? Going very well. And I've got Lee Apsey. Hello. And you two are Green We're... 13 Productions, yeah? Green 13 Films, yeah, that's films right. Films even, sorry. I'll, I'll get that right one day. Uh, the right. show notes will reflect the, the, right, the right term. Now, because sure. you're, you're a veteran of this podcast, so we'll just talk about that first. No um, back in um, back in February 2015, you were talk- you were proudly talking about your first feature film, Wandering, right. Wandering Rose, aka Demon Baby. Now it's due to get its UK release now, which is kind of what are we 15, 16 months later. So, what, what's the release date for the film now? So currently, from what my sales agents have told me, the release date is 20th of June uh, this year. And what title year. are we going for on the release in UK? Again, it's, it's another title, another title change. It's going to be called Little Devil. Um, so again, that was yeah, distributor's choice over filmmaker's choice. But, um, but that's, what, that's what they're going with. So yeah, it was Demon Baby out in the States. Uh, and then, yeah, Little Devil in the UK. Are you allowed to say like, how, that, how that comes around when your distributor takes a film? Basically, yeah. I mean, yeah. as as a filmmaker, I don't have a say in that. I sign my life away when okay. I do my, my deal, and basically, they, uh, yeah, they can do whatever they want. They 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 look at it from a sales point of view, and, okay. and you know, Wandering Rose is quite an inconspicuous title. Yeah. Um, but sadly, Demon Baby and Little Devil don't say anything about my film. But at the end of the day, they they look at it from a sales point of view. I look at it from a, a filmmaker's point of view. So when they first changed the title to Demon Baby. Um, I basically got an email from my sales agents uh, in LA, and they basically said, "Look, Entertainment One want to buy the rights to your film. We need to sign all these documents." And at the time, I think it was you know early 2014. Right. Uh, I was like, "Oh my god, Entertainment One want to buy my film. This is amazing. Where do I sign?" I didn't have an entertainment lawyer at the time. I had my mate, who's a housing solicitor, right. look over the look over the documents and was like, "Look, is this okay?" And uh, he basically was like, well, it's, it seems okay. So I signed it away, kind of knowing that they might change it. They might, you know, as long as they, they can't touch the final cut of the film, they might change the title, they might rebrand it um, to help their marketplace. And 
And obviously that's what Entertainment One did. So yeah, it came out as, as Demon Baby in, in the States. And then again with the UK distributor, um, they've, they've clearly changed it again for the UK market because, you know, they want, you know, I think it's being released as a 15, so they want, you know, 15-year-olds to come and, you know, get it, get their eyes caught in HMV or Morrison or Amazon or wherever they buy it from yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and say, right, I'll, I'll buy that. But sadly, you know, the titles don't represent my film. But, you know, it's, I guess, if, if you know, the more people that watch it, the better, I guess. I, guess, I mean, I guess it's the, it's the kind of square root of horror, isn't it, sometimes, is that if you've got no star power attached to the title of the movie, then the movie's got to get people to know it's horror. And obviously, Little Devil tells you it's a horror film at the very least. Exactly, yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, as a filmmaker, you want as many people to see it as possible. So it's kind of like a, a compromise, I guess. You know, obviously, Wandering Rose wouldn't have stood out on the shelves of HMV. Um, it would have just kind of probably sat there or, you know, no one would have, would have ever bought it. So, so, you know, we're kind of, it's, it's ups and downs and I think it's kind of 50 50 with us so far. You know, I think when it got released in the States as Demon Baby, you know, uh, we were getting great, uh, reviews as mm. one rose out to, you know, sending screeners out to, to people. But then Demon Baby and people are watching the film going, there's no demon or baby in this film. Then ah, right, okay. IMDb and our, our kind of, Amazon reviews just just plummeted massively, so so that's you know it's quite that's upsetting. Interesting. That's interesting as a, as a kind of pattern, really, to see that you, massively. You... Yeah, no, and I I think you know as as a filmmaker, yeah, of course people are entitled to their opinions of the film, but I kind of think if it's a name change and me as the director, I'm getting kind of blamed for this film that hasn't got a demon or a baby, and I'm kind of thinking, yeah, I agree. You know what? Like, <laughs> you know, if you want to buy something that says you know my red ball and it's a blue bouncy castle then you're kind of like, well, you know, it's not the product that I, that I wanted to buy. Um, you know, the film is a psychological horror, um, but, you know, calling it Demon Baby, you know, probably doesn't sell it the best way. Well, for those people coming to this new, then, do you want to give us a quick synopsis to remind people of what it, what it is? Uh, yeah, God, I've not pitched it for a while. It's, um, it's about a young couple who go away to the Highlands of Scotland uh, for a romantic caravan break before the woman gives um, birth to their first child. Um, so they kind of see it as a, a last kind of resort before they go into parenthood and kind of they have to grow up and their lives are ruined forever by having a kid. Um, but dark secrets from, from the girl, um, who is the title Rose, uh, come back to haunt her. Um, so I won't give too much away, obviously, but it's out. But it's, you know, it's, a, it's about a guilt and about things coming back to haunt you from your past, basically. And it's about this girl's mental downfall over the space of a weekend in the remote Scottish Highlands. Now, one last question before we move on to the more general sort of Green 13 stuff. Um, February 2015 is a long time ago. So, so from, 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 a U, from the UK listener who heard you talk then, and from yeah. the filmmaker thinking, wow, that is a long time ago listening to it now, what's been the journey of the film for it to um, get to that UK release? Basically, we've, uh, being the UK release, obviously, because, again, because our sales agent are in, in America, they... Yeah. They go for all the other markets first, so we've sold to North America, Brazil, Germany, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan. Um, I think it's 11, 11 territories in total, so they've all had release okay. dates there. Mm. Uh, we've also, um, obviously when we sent screeners out and reviews, we sent it off to a few film festivals. Uh, we won just last November, we won three awards at the British Horror Film Festival in, uh, in Leicester Square at the Empire Cinema there. We won yeah, Best Leading Actress for our lead actress, Karina Birrell. Uh, we won Best British Horror Film and we won Best Director for myself. So that was that was a lovely night. So we won her there. We won a couple of awards out in the States as well at, at various festivals. Um, also, we were put in UK Horror Scenes Top 10 Films of 2000 and 
14, and then British Horror Revival's top 10 films of 2015 as well. So it's just about c- continuously plugging. Obviously, as a British filmmaker, you know, yeah. I want British people to see my films. So, you know, we I, I was saying to my, my DP the other day, you know, we shot this film in 2013, you know, so it's a long time coming for a, for a film to be to be out in the, the UK, you know, Ooh. from a UK production point of view, you know. Yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. And crew are going, you know, we want to buy it. And it's, it's difficult, you know, a lot of my friends are saying, you know, oh, well, we might as well torrent it because we're never going to see it. And it's like, no, wait, just wait, please just wait. So it's, you know, it, it, it is a long way. Uh, but I mean, for us, like I said to you back in, you know, back in last February, we we never expected anything to happen with this film. We made it as a calling card for ourselves. So the fact that anything has happened to it has always been a bonus for us. I wanted to use it to get to the next level of my career. So the fact that, you know, you watch the start of my film and the Entertainment One logo comes up mm. and you get you know, kids in Wyoming, you know, in the back ends of, you know, you know, America on YouTube reviewing your film is, is nuts. And, you know, as a filmmaker, that's, that's amazing. You know, for a first-time filmmaker, it's, it's lovely to, to see that it's getting out there and it's doing it. But obviously, as a British filmmaker, I want people in Britain to see my film, you know, legally and buying it rather than illegally downloading it, which is, uh, you know, sadly, sadly is what will happen anyway. Well, that's a, that's a brilliant, brilliant sort of... It's a brilliant story in a way and a brilliant example for people listening as to what, what might happen to your film and 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 what's happened has been has been a success, but it's been one that you've had to have been patient with. So yeah, I think exactly. That's a, less, that's a lesson for anyone to learn. And I guess in, in terms of the deals, like I, we were out obviously in Cannes this well a couple of weeks ago now, and it was um, well last week, and uh, we had I was cinematographer on a, on a couple of guys' uh, film, and you know there's so many people that come up to you and promise you the world and you know say do you, but you look at it realistically it's like i oh, will give you 10 grand now and then you know you might see your money but realistically if you spend a fair bit more than 10 grand on your film the likelihood is you won't get that back so for me you know i was advising them and saying just just hold on wait till you get back to the uk wait for offers and see what's best for you now for me it always was the long game i was never in it you know the money i invested in wandering rose was my own money i had no investors that I had to quickly give the money back to and make their money quickly it was more of a, a thing of well we'll see what happens with it and if you can be patient then then you know, it works and you know amazingly for us you know we, we've made our money back on Wandering Rose in the space of you know three years well it's you know two years when we signed the deal yeah you know, we've, we've actually made made the money back you know and more so because it was only 28 grand and obviously we sold it to all these territories and it's it's done, you know, far surpassed what, what we thought. So the fact that we've got any any money back is is amazing um, for us. But obviously, you know, we've had to wait. We have had to wait three years for for that money. Well, you're there now. So look, congratulations on that. And, and for those listening, go check out Little Little Devil on 20th of June for this UK release. Now, Lee, you've been very patient there, hanging around in the background. I hope you're still there. That's all right. I've been uh, admiring myself in a mirror. <laughs> Did you look okay? I look fine. It's because we're just on audio, so I needed some sort of visual stimuli, and then I was just sort of imagining me doing the... I was doing like the face acting for your voices. I see, I see. Now, am I right, I'm right in thinking that you two are Green 13 films, yeah? That's right, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So, you went, you went to Cannes this year, and I think it's safe to say part of it you could have predicted was to live the, 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 film, the, film, the exotic film location cliché. Yeah, that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, do you want to get? I mean, for those people who haven't been, um, you 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 put on your own party. Now, obviously, there are plenty of parties going on with big brands and big filmmakers and red carpet uh, yeah. and dresses. So, what was what was the Green Thirteen Films' promise? 
I mean, for us, really, it was for the past kind of three or four years that me and Lee have been at Cannes, it's always, we've always slept on sofas. It's always been <coughs> the least glamorous event that you can possibly do. It's all been about work and seeing films. So this year, because we had the one film behind us, we, I mean, for us, it was more of a brand thing. Like, we go on Facebook and Twitter and people talk about our brand more than me. They don't actually know who me and Lee are, right. but they see the brand, they see the logo, Green 13 Films. So for us, it was more of a case of, okay, well, let's, let's show people that it's, you know, we're not this two-bit company. We are out there. We're trying to get these films made. And, you know, we're here to, you know, inspire the next generation of filmmakers as well as get films made ourselves. So we basically wanted to see it as like a networking event. Um, and we just so happened to stumble across this fantastic villa in the, the middle of nowhere with an amazing swimming pool. and Which happened and to be the, taking a gamble on Airbnb. Yes, it um, was, yeah. In what sense was yeah, it, it, we, we were kind of concerned at some point that we might project extra place, but um, I, I think it worked out well. And, and the same thing with, like, psychological uh, people come in, they can see we've arranged this event and everything's running well, and there's, you know, free booze and branding and photo walls and people tweeting. Uh, so, like I was saying, if Emma sets up that, you know, we are a thing and we do get, get stuff done, and at the same time, people like pulls and alcohol. <laughs> the, first, the, first thing, the first thing that I read, I'm, I'm, apologies that I never made it, um, I was at um, yeah. I was at a Brazil party, I think, <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was drinking um, very very nice. Uh, they, had, they had vats of sex on the beach, just just waiting to be. They were handing oh, out, and, and, oh. and it was very nice. But anyway, Wait, the, first, the first time I read about your party was was to, to to find out that actually it was a Leeds reunited party, as much as it was a can party. Oh. It was ridiculous. Everyone that turned up seemed to be from Yorkshire or Leeds. It was it was kind of great. You get to town to try and network, and then you meet everybody who you see down the local pub. To defend, to defend the South, there were five people from my local Waitrose. <laughs> That's me pimping my working class um, <laughs> industry route. No, it was it, it was. I mean, it was it was a very very kind of odd party. I mean, like I say, it was. You know, we wanted people to come and network, but also. We wanted investors, you know, certainly the investors that we were trying to schmooze with to go there um, to kind of say, look, we're not just two two lads, you know, trying to rob you of all your money. We are an actual company and we want to do it. And I think for the past few years at Cannes, it's always been, I remember always coming back from Cannes and saying, you know, sending out emails to people whose business cards I've asked for, saying, oh, it's really nice to meet you at that villa party. It was really great to meet you there. And I suddenly thought, why do they care? Like, there's so many people who do that. And it's like, yeah, we were there, blah, blah, blah. And you try and make small talk, whereas if it's actually your villa party, then mm. they kind of take you a lot more seriously and be like, oh, yeah, thank you so much for coming to the villa party. It was really great. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And it's kind of a, a bit a one step further in, really, mm. than than, uh, than just the old the business cards. And also it's like whenever you're at Cannes, people always say, what villa party are you going to? What villa party are you going to? You know, it always seems to be more about the villa party. Everyone goes to Cannes. No one sees a bloody film. It's all about the parties and where you can get the free booze. You know, we saw you, Stuart, at least eight events while we were out there. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I am one of those people that didn't see a film. Yeah, well, it's, well, the thing is, people, like, it's certainly for people who aren't there to see the films, it, it is about the villa parties, and it's about, you know, the yacht parties, the villa parties. So we were like, okay, well, instead of trying to get to the where we want, where the people we want are at, why don't we invite them somewhere where they want to be? So, you know, and we kind of thought, well, if it's a bit of investment with us, you know, but then if we get the finance for our next film, then it's kind of, it's win-win for us. Mm -hmm. So so that was really what we were doing, and, you know, we had we had some great people there, and, you know, you always know, you can tell a Leeds party when it gets to 4.30 and the bloody riot police turn up and the alarms go off and neighbours complaining, there's people in the swimming pool and hot tubs doing all kinds of 
crazy stuff and it, you kind of just look and go well if people are taking photographs then with our branding it gets kind of worked but so, it was, kind so of, was, was there much salaciousness going on then there was a fair bit it was kind of got a bit of like Hugh Hefner towards the <laughs> end um, just with but, but all in a way though if anyone from Airbnb listened to this was completely cleaned up and, and is in no way damaging to the yeah, property no I thought you were going to say or, it all or my Airbnb rating I thought you were going to say <laughs> all done in the best possible taste well, that was it. <laughs> the best possible day. I mean, to be honest, was, I mean, we had a lot of people there that said that they were going to pop in and just have a few drinks, and they had two of the parties to go to, and then you know they were there till half three and, and partying. So you know, it was kind of great afterwards because we gave away again so for branding and product stuff. We gave away free baseball caps to to most of the people that turned up. So all throughout Cannes, you know, people would see us with these caps on, going, oh, "Are you the Green Thirteen party? Are you Green 13? So again, it's another way in there for people to see the brand. And I remember Lee was at a bar. Um, oh yeah, this was, this was um, I think it was actually short film corner, the, the happy hour short film corner, which is always uh, effectively the end of days because you know it's like ten people deep at the bar, like fighting. Yeah. We showed up, there's no chance again. I go, oh no, and then immediately someone runs around and goes, Green Thirteen, great party, <laughs> and hands me a beer. Yeah. Not not the person next to me, but I look very cold in front of them, and that's <laughs> that's the important thing. So what was what was your now that was your that was your kind of almost I guess like a statement of intent really isn't it that you've like you say you've you've been to people's parties and you thought no let's 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 put on our own event but there was as well as the branding of Green Thirteen there was also the serious intent of trying to get films financed and made so what what progress if any did you make with projects you took with you in your back pocket to talk to people about while you were in camp well that's the funny thing about having you know, a hot tub, a villa party in Cannes, is that we went out there and we, we had a whole load of packages out on the tables for, for investors and, and people to look at. And and we literally, we had, um, you know, our constant trailer running on the TV and, you know, just stuff about the company. And uh, the next day we, we managed to get, for for the next horror we're doing, we've, we've, just, we've literally been full financed. We've got LOIs on the finance for that, which was kind of incredible. We didn't expect people to say, we'll give you all the money. And, you know, I mean, I, I as a, a, you know, as a filmmaker, I don't believe anything till I'm on set calling action. Right. Um, but it looks, yeah, we're, we've been given LOIs for, for the funding, which is, which is incredible. LOIs are what for the people listening? Uh, uh, letter of intent to okay. say that if we, you know, if, if we abide by everything, basically we now have to deliver this film for Cannes next year. Um, and as long as we do that, then, you know, and we promise that that's going to happen, then we've, we've got literally full finance in place for the, for the horror film, which is, Kind of crazy, but it was like, you know, because that wasn't the intent of the party, you know, it'd have been nice to say, okay, we'll catch up when we're back in London and we'll have some meetings. But, but the guys, the investors that we had there were kind of, you know, I guess, I, I guess the whole, the whole kind of plan worked. And, and, and yeah, really, we've kind of got the funding for, for the next horror film, um, which is, which is incredible because we actually had to write, in order to get this horror film made, we were told that we'd have to write a drama slash hooligan film. Mm. Uh, for someone to give us um, this finance for this film. So me and Lee went away and very quickly wrote this drama, um, which is now doing the rounds in, in a much, much larger circles than, than we thought it was going to be in, All right. um, which is which is amazing. So in the meantime, we can get to make this horror film this year, and then hopefully we'll see what happens with this with this drama, because I, I can't mention names now, but uh, you know, there's, there's some actual very, very big people hopefully attached to this project in the, the budget that we asked for, they're now trying to get it four times that. Brilliant. We, we were kind of thinking, we'll quickly make this film so we can go and do the horror, because the horror is, you know, our passion, it's what, what we love making. So, 
So for this to kind of happen, it's all it's all happened very very quickly and. It's all been kind of a bit crazy, but, uh, you know. That's, that's the values of having your 101 fundamentals down, kids. Yeah, that is very true, yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's you just do things well and properly. So even if you're doing a genre you're not used to working in, get down your basics that everyone's missing out on. And when you hit them, people appreciate it. That's why so what, what, what was the pro? What's your Lee? What's the process that you and Cos go through then to go, to pull something together? How do you how do you create together? Um... Uh, well, we're, we're both uh, massive fans of, of like, uh, I know a lot of people get hairs for saying this. I really like Save the Cat okay. and things like that, uh, because even though we're not tied down to it, yeah. uh, but that's certainly the language people expect. Yeah. Uh, when audience watches a film, there's, you know, it's not Procrustean Bear, that's the way a lot of people have been working deliberately making films. I mean, like Avengers Assemble, the first time I watched it, I went to the bathroom during it because I know minute to minute what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I've always said that's all Structural things like that, it's uh, language in the same way like English is a language, but any good writer will do a one-word sentence, or like something that they'll break them, but they're broken with a purpose, and it only works because you know what the audience expects, and you play the rules when you want to, and then you deviate for a reason. Are you, do you two work in the same room together, or are you backwards and forwards with your work? Uh, when we're doing the storyboard, sorry, storyboarding, when we're doing the... Um, the, the yeah, storyboard, I'll say that. Wrong you say spitballing, uh, I think. I think spitballing's a word. Yeah, when we're, when, we're, when we're like laying out uh, the film, uh, we're in the same room, and when we're sort of talking the ideas and concepts, when we get into actually writing scenes, we tend to like go away and do um, passes on it. Yeah. But because when we're writing uh, for a lot of the process, uh, we've been living in the same house. Yeah. Means yeah. I get to go away and like uh, so coil write scene, but if I'm writing stuff, I can keep getting into my own head, going across the corridor uh, and bobbing, crying on. Corey, does it? Does it? Am I crazy? But is it too weird if a uh, if, uh, they, if they, they wait for five minutes and not six minutes, and Kyle will just say, it's fine. And I'll go, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> I'll stop worrying. Huh? Yeah, Lee's kind of, like, I, I'm kind of the one that, I, like, I'll come up with a lot of ideas, and Lee's kind of our, he's, I almost come with the rain man of script writing, and, like, he's... Is that a compliment? Terms, Is that a compliment? Yeah, a massive compliment. He's kind <laughs> of, in terms of structure and pacing and tone and characterization, Lee's kind of your go-to guy, which is, like, I thought, like, me and Lee went to the North film school together so I've known Lee for a long time and I saw this very quickly in him and I thought right how can I abuse this guy's talent uh, <laughs> make me better basically but it's I'll have all these great ideas and they'll go no why is your character doing that why is it what where's it going and you know I have a master's in in script writing now and it's like you know I, even I am not at the level that that Lee is at in terms of writing he's just he he just gets ideas and I kind of see it where the cogs turning in his head and he's a million miles away from life but he's like nope change that do that and it's like, yes, this is perfect. So, for me, it's more because I just I, I worry too much, and I think that's a superpower in terms of like when you're nitpicking screenplays. Because like, the reason I eventually got I was brought on board for um, passing Beacon was I, I asked quite to send me a step outline for like the, the original one, which was about like you know normal standing about four pages, and I sent thirty pages of notes because I, I, I'm an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> it literally was thirty pages of notes about every minor detail of it, and I was like, right, this guy's great, I need to... But I suppose yeah. as well, I suppose, you know, they, they do say that sort of script writing, it needs a problem solver as much as it needs a storyteller, you know, and, and a screenplay, what? if it's got a setup, it has to have a payoff, or if it's got a red herring, it has to have the opposite of that red herring, you know, come out somewhere so the audience knows it's been tricked. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. No, I think, And I think that is why, why we work well together, because I do have a lot of, of mad ideas, and then... Lee could instantly go within seconds, go, no, that doesn't work, or that works. And it's like, 
you know, there's a lot of times where I'm kind of going, oh, my God, this isn't the story I wanted. But, you know, actually, it's, it's a better story because of what Lee's doing. And he kind of, it, it's great to have someone like that so we can go away and, and discuss it. And Lee just understands, okay, so the character's changing here. This is where something here needs to happen, da 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 da, da. And it's kind of, you know, I'm looking at the scripts that we've currently got, and they, they just far surpass the ones that I wrote by myself, which is which is always nice. Because I've, I've always, you know, I think film has to be collaborative, but at the same time, you know, as because I'm a director as well, it's kind of like, you know, what I say, this is what I want, but I understand what people do. So it is kind of nice to have Lee who, you know, kind of gets the way that I work, but at the same time, you know, he, he'll say, no, that's not working. You can't do it. You cannot do that. Thematically, that doesn't work. So whatever's in your head, put it away. It doesn't work. <laughs> now, now, I know, the, 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 now, just just for the audience's benefit, now, you, you sort of skipped, uh, stepped over it a bit. You, you, you wanted a short space of time to do this, this one that sort of you were going to do in between or after the horror. Yeah. What was what? I remember you telling me now. So for the audience, tell, tell what was the sort of start and finish time for you to get this script done and delivered? We wrote 120 pages in in four and a half days. <laughs> much, of, much of that on a megabus. Yeah, it was, most of it was done on a megabus. Yeah, four hours on a megabus from Leeds to London. My yeah. word, my That's word. So, so for those struggling writers out there, it can it can be done where there's a will. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were just so desperate to make this horror film, and we got told by this this company who were like, we want to work with you, but we don't do pre-sales on horrors, so what else can you write us? And we were like, oh, look, if it helps us get the horror made that we want to make, we'll write anything. We'll do mm. a rom-com, like, just tell us what's... Because they, they're looking at it from, from purely from a sales point of view, so of we course, were like, we'll do anything. Um, so they were like, right, well, we want to do, you know, this hooligan film. And for me, instantly, I was like, well, I'm from north of Leeds, you know, I don't say mug, I don't, you know, I don't know anything about West Ham or Chelsea... What, why can I write, you know, this? Um, but what I did have was, you know, growing up in Yorkshire, I, I was, you know, not involved, but I was aware of the, the Bradford riots and, you know, it affected my school that I went to in Bradford. Mm. So for a long time, I had these characters in my head that I'd developed around the Bradford riots that I thought one day I'll write a story about this because I think it's, you know, a typical working class British film, the type of film that wins BAFTAs, you know. So that was my big idea was to write the script. So when someone said, OK, we want you to write a football hooligan film, I didn't want to just write any old film. I thought, okay, well, I'll set it up north because there's not been many done up north. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Um, so I was like, okay, well, actually, why don't I put these characters into it? So it's still a story that I love. You know, there's still, you know, the story is a coming of age, you know, love story. It's a basic 101, you know, Romeo and Juliet story. But I'll surround it with northern football hooligans and, and kind of the race wars in, in Bradford. Um, so I kind of, so it wasn't like four and a half days of me and Lee sitting down going, Okay, what should we write about? You know, there was already some kind of structure in place okay. that we wanted to tell. Um, but then, yeah, it literally was just just sitting down and kind of telling Lee these ideas about the characters, and then Lee going away and saying, "Okay, what if they do this? What if they do that?" And then just just going away and yeah, literally just writing it in these four and a half days. It feels it feels like Lee Lee could be like a sieve on you, like you just shake shake you out so like this fine dust of idea gets down, and you're like, yeah, there we go. That'll yeah, work. there we go. That works. Yeah, he is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The sieve. No, I, I, I'm, I constructively complain. Yeah. Yes. Oh no, no. I th I, th I think there's Helpful great value. Heckling. I think there's great value <laughs> in writing partnerships to be the one that that, that reveals these problems to what you're saying, and then the person that's got the idea has to then give the case as to why it can work. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, no, I think devil's advocate is a very important part of uh, of, of writing. No, it together. is, and I, I think it helps Lee massively the fact that he's also my landlord. So, ah! I, just, 
that helps his case a lot when we, we kind of have some script problems. He's like, well, you know, you are in my house. So that, that does kind of... <laughs> either, either, either he atones with the father or you're on the street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Now, now it isn't... Now, you, you, bring, you bring a lot of energy to the podcast and obviously I see you bring a lot of energy when you're in camp. Now, outside of all the pulling film drunk. projects together and um, parties... I bumped into you, Lee, at one point when you were off to do an improv comedy podcast. What was that all about? Oh, yeah, those, um, uh, the powerful Talalka Corsi, he does a podcast called The, the Little <laughs> Show. Right. Okay, um, like, um, he does a lot of, like, uh, improvised, like, musical comedy. Um, so why was, that like... why was that in Cannes? Okay, this is the weird story. Go on. So, uh, Be weird, I met Talalka recently and I thought he was absolutely delightful. Um, and he, he asked me to go on The Little Show. Right. Uh, and I said, oh, I can't, I'm here. And then, uh, obviously, it's a nice thing to be able to mention. I can't, I'm in, I'm in Cannes, where yeah. he's got some film stuff to do. And he went, oh, really kindly of him. He mentioned, like, you know, I've, I've got some, you know, connections out there. If you want, you can stay at this, this house. And then I thought I was really touched, because he didn't know at the time. Right. So I was about to say, oh, no, we've got, we've got an Airbnb villa. I didn't say Airbnb, but so it sounds like cooler. Oh, no, we, we've, got, we've got a villa. We've got a pie out there, but, you know, you want to come if you're out there. And then he went, yep. And then he came. <laughs> Uh, and then while he was out there, um, bless him, he's, he's awesome. He he got um he gathered together a group of sort of like actors and like like improvisers. We have someone who's groundlings trained. Uh, if anyone's an improv nerd, that's a, a good thing. Um, like uh, involved, and then we we like recorded a session with a group of sort of international improvisers. That was after I met you, and then we called the next one in the hot tub the next day. Probably a little too drunk for it, but it's comedy, you know. So it's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> Right, let's remind people then, your your film Little Devil, which was Wandering Rose when I first interviewed her, that became Demon Baby in America, is yeah. out in the UK, 20th of June as Little Devil. That's right. Green 13 Films, I don't think you told me yet, can you tell me the title of the horror film or is that something you've got to keep? Yeah, but I'm sure it'll be changed. It's currently called Passing Beacon. It's called what, sorry? Passing Beacon. Okay, so Passing Beacon is your horror that you successfully... As, as far as letter of intent can be successful, yep. you're, you're, you're moving towards next year's can. So with next year's can in mind, for that person listening going, God, I wish I could get the, get the nerve to go to can, give, give us each, each one of you, because you give me one good reason and Lee, you give me another reason as to why some, a filmmaker should be, a UK filmmaker should go to can. Okay, well, for me, firstly, Cannes was the best film school that I've ever been to. Like, I spent three years at film school, mm. and they never taught me about the industry. You know, we watched Battleship Potemkin a million times. We, you know, we, you learn about the history of film, and you, you might get to shoot a film if you're lucky. Right. Cannes Film Festival shows you, actually, that it's an industry. And, you know, you can be as arty and creative as you want, but at the end of the day, you're making a product for people and that you know if that product isn't what they want then they won't have it so for me i learned how to be very smart in what sales agents what distributors want out of the industry so as a filmmaker you need to learn that rather than have a passion project certainly for your first film instead of having a passion project or a project that you know you've wanted to do for years and it is frustrating you know we're still we're still you know you know selling out massively you know making films that aren't the massive film you know the horror film thank god we get to make but you know that the other one, we wrote it because we were told we had to if we want to go make films. So for me, it's about learning about the industry and what people are looking for at the moment. Because, you know, you could have made the next Pulp Fiction too, but if no one wants that, no one's going to see it. So it's about being clever 
and Cannes massively teaches you that. You step into the master film, you go anywhere in Cannes, and it's it's, a, it's an assault on the senses. You see how many posters are up there, how many people are in this industry, and it's you know you know I was 26 when I did that for the first time trying to sell my film. Mm. And it was one of the most daunting moments of my life. I was there with 50 DVDs in a rucksack. <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? Like this is ridiculous. I've not even got a poster. I've not got anything. And you've just got to say no. Do you know what? My, I'm my mid sell it. And it's just about being smart about understanding the industry, I think, massively. So, Lee, he's covered quite a lot of ground there, but is there anything in, in, in amongst all that that you think you could add as to reasons why filmmakers should come to Cannes from the UK? Um, my first one is just in two words, Shark Exorcist. <laughs> Not to give him a plug, but that was my favourite poster I saw that blew me away on having a strong concert. No, uh, the uh, thing at Coyve uh, covered quite a lot of that. I think it's because... The people you meet in Canada, the people there, the people who are actually want to do things, are getting things done in terms of making selling films, mm. which is one good because it motivates you to go, yes, look at this film making stuff, let's actually get things done. And two, that means you know all these people getting stuff done and you can do it with them. So, yeah, it's a good um, uh, double doozy. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason Corey's more of our salesman. <laughs> that, was, that was all good. I was about to conclude the podcast. Then you've now broke the you've now broke that moment you ended on. Uh, anyway, sorry. thank you very much for coming on the Britflix <laughs> podcast. It's been an education. And I always thank you for having us. Thank you much. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.